You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number five. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for moms who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, online fitness coach, wife, and mom of four. Every week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and I am sure glad that you're here listening today. I think today is going to be a really good episode with some really important takeaways of the 10 things that I've learned as a fitness coach. I want to let you know that I did create a freebie for this episode. It is all about goal setting. We're going to talk about goal setting a lot today. I'm I'm big on goal setting. I think it's really, really important, and it's really a big key to being successful in life. And so I I've created a goal setting resource and we're going to talk about different goals and how we set them. Um, But you can go and download this PDF. It's a free PDF. You can print it out, use it, write on it, reprint it out, reuse it, write on it, and really get your goals down. I think there's a lot of power in concretely writing down your goals and being able to visually see them every day. If you want to download that freebie, go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash six download. And now let's dive into the 10 things that I have learned as a fitness coach. So I have been doing coaching for almost three years. It'll be three years in about March. Um, I started March of 2016. So March of 2019 will be exactly three years. And I have learned a heck of a lot during that time. I have coached hundreds and hundreds of clients. And when I first got into coaching, I didn't quite know what I was getting into. So to kind of backtrack a little bit, I started my journey with, you know, counting macros in January of 2016. It's when I kind of had a deciding moment that I wanted to get abs and I was going to try this thing called counting macros and I was going to implement it and kind of hit this, this goal that I had set for myself. And I did it and I started posting about it on Instagram. And it's amazing. Once you start posting about something on social media, you get all of these people coming to you and asking you for advice and asking you for tips and asking you to coach them through the same process. And so I did. I started out really basic with um, just some free coaching of just coaching some friends and some people from online. And I liked it and I was good at it. And I felt like I could help people get results and it was fun. And so I was like, well, let's just try this, this thing out. And so over time it's expanded and grown. And with each client and throughout the years, I have learned a lot, a lot about how to coach, a lot about the experiences that people go through as they try to lose weight or they try to add muscle and a lot about what helps to make somebody successful. So somebody who comes to me, I can almost figure out pretty fast who is going to be successful and who is going to struggle a lot. And if someone's going to struggle a lot, I've developed ways to be able to help them through that struggle. And that honestly, for people who are listening, who want to become a coach, that comes from a lot of experience and a lot of trial and error and working with a lot of different clients to be able to know how to approach each person individually. 
But during the last three years, I have learned a lot about coaching and a lot about how to get people results. And so that's what I want to share today with you is the 10 things that I have learned as a fitness coach. And hopefully hearing these things is going to help you apply these things to your fitness journey to be able to make you a little bit more successful. So we're going to dive right in. Number one, mindset is completely underrated in the fitness industry. I don't really care how perfect your macros or your exercise or your training program is. If you truly don't believe that you can change, nothing is going to change. And I've talked about this before, but I think it bears repeating because it is one of the most important things in being successful. As I have worked with clients I first thought, you know, I'm just basically giving these people macros and I'm like holding them accountable and giving them a workout plan. And I started to realize that it wasn't the tactics that made the difference. It wasn't the workout plan. It wasn't the exact macros, but that most of the progress that happened was mental progress. And that mental progress ended up driving physical progress. But if we only focused on the physical aspect and the transformation that was happening physically, the progress wasn't being made as fast as if we included the mindset aspect. So many of the struggles that happen when you're trying to reach goals, whether it's weight loss goals, whether it's performance goals, whether it's goals in your business or as a mom, so much of that struggle happens inside your brain. It happens between you versus you inside your brain. And if you ignore that fact, you're not going to be successful in the long, in the long haul. And I think in the fitness industry, this is just not talked about enough. It, it just is kind of overlooked. We, we like the flashy, um, exciting things, the new fads, the new diets, the new workouts. We like all of these shiny new tactics is what I like to call them. Like these, these tactics that are short and succinct and they're like rules and they're just like follow this or do this um, rather than incorporating the long-term strategies of mindset to be able to really drive the success in the long run. And if there's one thing that I want to be known for in the fitness industry, it is incorporating more of that mindset piece into people getting progress. Because I know, and I've seen that people who incorporate mindset, who focus on the mindset, who change the way that they think about things are the ones who are more successful in the long run. Number two, Nothing changes if nothing changes. If you don't currently like where you're at in any aspect of your life, not just fitness, but in any aspect of your life, if you keep doing the same old things, you're going to keep getting the same old results. I love the quote, what got you here won't get you there. The results that you've created at this point in your life have come from the actions and the thoughts and the person you were being to get those results. And if you don't like the results, you have to do something different. And I found this very acutely in my own life as a group fitness instructor. So I got certified to teach Zumba back in 2010. And over the years, I added different formats and I taught lots of different group fitness classes. And I I loved it. I love group fitness. I have nothing against group fitness. It is a fabulous transition for a lot of people who are really intimidated by the gym. It has a lot of energy. It's fun. It makes exercise an enjoyable thing for a lot of people. So I really have a place in my heart for group fitness. But what I was finding was that 
after teaching group fitness for six, seven, eight years, that nothing actually really changed. I always kind of looked the same. I always kind of felt the same. I would show up, I would teach my classes, you know, I would push hard. It wasn't that I wasn't pushing hard in my classes, but that nothing ever really changed because I was doing the same thing week after week after week after week. And my body had adapted to it. I think it's really important to understand that our bodies are master adapters. Our bodies are have a capability to adapt, which is amazing, but it only adapts to the point at which we push it. So your body is never going to over-adapt. It's never going to have a stress on it and say, oh, I had a stress of X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm going to adapt so that next time something even bigger isn't going to hurt me. No, our body adapts to the exact stress that we place upon it. And so because I was just applying the same stress week after week after week, my body had adapted to that point. And don't get me wrong. It's not like I was carrying a lot of weight or that anybody would look at me and, and think that I was unhealthy or any of that, but nothing changed. I had reached a plateau of, I maximized what I was going to gain from the, the exercise regimen that I had. And I realized that if I wanted to do, get some different results, I was going to have to do things differently. And so for me, that looked like two things. That looked like first starting to get really um, focused on my nutrition. It is not something that I had been focused on before, but being able to pull that nutrition piece in and have my nutrition lineup and match my exercise goals um, was really important. And then the second thing I did was I started pulling back in group fitness. I started teaching less group fitness classes and I started transitioning to doing more of my own work in the weight room. And by doing this, I was able to create plans and create programs and see progress start to happen that had never happened before because my body had adapted to what I was doing in the group fitness room. So I want you to think about where you are currently at. And if you don't like your current results or at least the direction in which you're moving, because sometimes results take time and sometimes we just have to be patient. And like, as long as you're moving in that direction of the results that you want, you're good to go. But if you don't like the results or you don't like the direction that you're moving in, you have to change something. You have to, nothing's going to change if you don't change it. So focus on what results you're currently getting, what results you want, and how you can mix things up or change things up or do something different to be able to get those results. Number three, the best exercise is one you actually enjoy. Your exercise should not feel like a punishment or like drudgery. And if it does, you need to find another workout. I have done lots and lots of workouts in my days. I've taught lots of group fitness classes. I've done everything from Zumba to ballet bar to CX works to body pump. I've done a lot in the gym on my own of doing more bodybuilding style training. I've done powerlifting. I've done CrossFit. I've kind of, I've run a marathon. Like I've kind of run the gamut of doing a lot of different things that relate to fitness. And part of the reason that I've jumped around and done a lot of different things is that I try to keep it exciting and do things that I really truly like to do. But one of the biggest things that I find with people is they equate exercise to burning calories or they equate exercising to, you know, working off the food that they ate. And when you start to make that equation of I work out so that I can eat this candy, or um, I work out so that I can burn the maximum amount of calories so I can lose weight faster. When you start to equate exercise with weight loss or with 
um, punishment or with guilt, it's going to feel like drudgery. It's going to take the joy out of it. It's going to take the fun out of it. And it's going to be something that you don't like doing. A big shout out to Jill Thompson. She sent me this article um, that was really interesting and really good about talking about reframing exercise as not as punishment, not as something that you have to do, but as reframing it in different aspects of like movement, of um, challenges, of training, of feeding your soul, and being able to pull out different exercises, different movements, different styles of training to be able to fit into those different categories. I'll link the full uh, article in the show notes. There is a little bit of swearing in it. uh, So if you don't like to read any swearing, I wouldn't suggest you read it. But the basic premise of it is just that Exercise is so much more than just like showing up at the gym and doing the same thing every time. It is something that needs to feed your soul. It needs to be a part of exploring who you are and how your body is able to move. It needs to be a part of finding your limits and pushing past. And so I think really as we can transition from saying, I have to work out, I need to work out today, or haven't got my workout in today, instead of saying it that way, saying it, I choose to work out or I get to work out and really finding something that, that feeds your soul that you enjoy. When I wake up in the morning, first of all, if you had told me a year ago that I would be waking up at 4.40 some days to work out, I would have laughed at your face. I am not a morning person. I don't like waking up early. I need a lot of sleep. My husband has always teased me about the amount of sleep that I need you know, side note, back when I was in college, I would go to bed at 10. Like in college time, that's like basically the middle of the day still. So all my friends always tease me because I'm like 10 o'clock up, it's time for bed. I'm going to bed. I just need a lot of sleep. And I just know that about myself. And I, I'm really protective of my sleep. So if you had told me that I was going to be getting up at 440 some days and 540 other days to be able to go to CrossFit, I would have laughed at you. But honestly, I've been doing CrossFit now for a couple of months. My friends invited me um, to go and I've been doing it with them and I've been loving it. I've been loving the challenge. And when my alarm goes off at 4.40 or 5.40 in the morning to hit a five o'clock or a six o'clock CrossFit class, there's never any day that I roll over and I'm like, oh, I have to go to CrossFit this morning. No, like I roll over, I like hit my alarm and I like get up and I'm excited to go. And that's how I want you to feel. I want you to feel excited to go and work out. And if you don't currently, then you need to try something different because there is an exercise out there for you that you will love. And that is what I want you to find. Stop thinking about what's optimal. Stop thinking what's going to get you the best body and find something that you love because then you're going to be consistent and you're going to make the most amount of progress there. Number four, there are a bazillion and one different ways to create a caloric deficit and lose weight. I want you to find the one that is easiest for you. If you ever hear anybody say that there is only one way to lose weight or one way to approach your relationship with food, I want you to recognize that that is a really silly thing to say. We have different personalities. We have different ways that we view the world. We have different things that fuel us and that we enjoy. And to say that there's only one right way or one best way to lose weight or one best way to have a good relationship with food is just silly. There are lots and lots of different ways. And I want you to find one that feels the easiest for you. There are evangelists for every style of eating, every program, 
And that's awesome. And I don't think that anybody who is sharing their experience of success is to be discounted. I, I definitely think that like there can be success in so many different styles of eating and styles of training. But I want you to recognize that as you are listening to that and as you are hearing someone espouse what is so great about what they are you know, teaching and preaching, I want you to recognize that this has to work for you and that you get to find out what is easiest and most fun and most enjoyable and you get to do that. And if you can really start to view exercise and nutrition that way and the food that you eat, then you're going to find something that really fits with your style. It fits with how you want to view the world and how you want to challenge yourself. So I don't think that there's any harm in trying out different styles. Try out different styles of training. Try out different styles of eating. Try out different foods. But I do want to have this caveat there that one thing that I see a lot of people do is program hop or or like training hop where they will do something for a very short amount of time and say, oh, it doesn't work or oh, it's you know too hard or oh, I don't like it. And then they just hop to the next thing. Um, you have to give things time to work. So when I'm talking about, you know, trying out different styles of training or trying out different ways of eating, I want to make sure that you're giving it your full like effort and you're giving it time to work. When I've transitioned from teaching different classes and from doing different styles of training, we're talking about over years and years and years and years. I did powerlifting for two years before I switched up and and started doing CrossFit. I taught group fitness classes for eight years. Um, I did bodybuilding training for a year in the gym. So I'm not talking about trying something for a month and saying, oh, that's not for me. I really think it is important to put your due diligence in and really like try something out. But if it's not working or if it's not something that fits your personality, it's okay to do something different. And you can go against the grain. You don't have to do what all your friends are doing. You don't have to do what everyone on Instagram is doing. You get to find the way that feels the easiest for you to do fitness. Number five, losing weight in and of itself isn't going to make you happier or more confident or love yourself more. However, and this is a big caveat, The process that you go through to push yourself, to set goals, to accomplish them, to challenge yourself, those things will mold and shape your view of yourself and your body. I think on social media, especially, there's a big movement about body positivity and loving your body where it's at. And I am all for self-love, body confidence, and feeling, you know, good where you're currently at. But I think that sometimes people take it a little bit too far in that you shouldn't necessarily try to change yourself, right? You just accept yourself for who you are and that's that and we're good to go now. And I think that that's really selling yourself short. As human beings, we are meant to progress. We are meant to excel. We are meant to get better. And I think if you don't ever push yourself, you're never going to be able to experience that growth. And so no, losing weight isn't going to make you happier. Losing weight isn't going to make you more confident. Those emotions are available to you right now, regardless of your size or your weight. But the weight loss process, what it does do is it pushes you and it challenges your assumptions about what you're capable of. And it creates it creates this, this space to set goals and to achieve them It teaches you about your self-talk and how to be in control of the things that you tell yourself. And so, no, I don't think that weight loss is 
is the, the answer for everybody. But I don't also don't think that we need to stigmatize it and we need to say that it's bad for everybody because I think a lot of things can be learned through the weight loss process uh, and, and confidence can be built, not because you're losing weight, but because you're learning about keeping promises to yourself, you're learning about setting goals, and you're learning about how much you're freaking capable of doing. Confidence truly comes from proving over to, and over to yourself that you can do hard things. And losing weight is a hard thing, and you learn a lot through that process. And so no, losing weight isn't going to make you more happy or more confident or love yourself more, but the process that you go through is going to change you. Number six, and this kind of piggybacks off of number five a little, there's power in doing hard things in your life. If you always are just doing what feels good or what's fun or what's exciting, then you're really robbing yourself of things that stretch you as a person and are going to cause growth. Like I said, we are meant to grow and progress. As humans, that is just innate in us. We want to, to get better over time. I was sitting in church on Sunday and a returned missionary who had gone out for two years for our church was speaking and he had said that one of the quotes that his mission president, who was his his leader on his mission, the biggest quote that he would say over and over and over again was, there's no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone. And I think there's so much wisdom in that. If you are always comfortable and everything is always fun, you're not going to progress because Growth doesn't come from that comfort zone. Growth comes from the place when you're uncomfortable, when it's hard, when something challenges you. And so I think it's really important to have hard things in your life. And that doesn't mean it has to be fitness. I mean, gosh, no, like maybe your hard thing in your life is raising kids, or maybe your hard thing in your life is starting a business or volunteering your time or developing a talent or whatever. But I think it's really important that we have something hard that we're doing in our life. And I think that fitness does feel a really good void for this in a lot of people's lives. You know, these days, we have a lot of things that make life easier for us, right? We're not, you know, washing our clothes by hand. We're not having to like go out and pick the food that we eat. We have a lot of modern conveniences that make life a lot simpler and a lot easier for us. And so I think fitness is a really easy way to be able to challenge yourself in in a way that feels hard and feels challenging. It feels like it pushes you. So I don't think fitness is the only way to have hard things in your life, but I do think for a lot of people, it can provide that challenge that is really necessary for growth over time. Number seven, balance looks different for everyone. So I want you to find a balance that works for you. And then also know that that balance may change over time and that's okay. When I came home from BYU each summer, I worked a couple of those summers for a local city and I would go around and I would mow the lawns of all of the um, fire stations and the police station and city hall. And we'd like mow the lawns for the medians and we'd do a lot of the grounds work and blow leaves and, you know, everything. I did all things like grounds crew for the city. And one of the guys that I worked with was a Seventh-day Adventist and he didn't eat meat because Seventh-day Adventists don't eat meat. And so I talked to him you know, quite a bit about this over time. And it was just interesting to hear him talk about it because 
this wasn't like something that was super, it felt restrictive to him. Um, it just was kind of his way of life. That's how he'd always done it. That's how he'd always lived. And it just was a part of him and, and who he was. And I think you'll find the same thing that many people who eat paleo or who are vegans, it doesn't feel restricted to them. It feels very balanced to them. They enjoy it. Uh, it's a way that they choose to eat or a way that they choose to live their life. And and they, and they have balance in their life. And so what balance looks like for me and what balance looks like for you can be totally different and that's okay. What it really comes down to is finding the balance that feels good for you. And when we're talking about exercise and nutrition, that balance can swing so far for everybody. I work out six days a week For some of you listening, that may be way out of balance. And you're like, I could never allot that amount of time to working out. And that's okay. Like you don't have to, but that also doesn't mean that I'm out of balance. And I think what we get into trouble when we start to look at other people's life and like critique where their balance is. We look at someone who eats keto and we say, oh, that's not balance. Like they're out of balance. Whereas I think if we can just really focus on like how balance feels in our life and whether or not we are in balance, then we're going to be a lot more successful than trying to compare it against other people. I also want to mention that we really need to change some of the stories that we have about balance. When I started my business, I had more than one person tell me that, oh, I would start a business, but I want to be a good mom instead. And as if like you couldn't do both right? Like you can't like have a a business and be a good mom. Like that's not possible. And I think oftentimes we do this. We limit ourselves with choices. Like we're like, either you can have a, you can either have a business or you can be a bit good mom. And like, you have to pick, like if you're, you need, here's two options, pick one. And obviously if like I was given that option where I could either have a business or I could be a good mom, like, of course I'm going to pick to be a good mom. But I think we limit ourselves so often thinking that there's only an A and a B option. And I really think most of the times there's actually a C option that we don't consider. And the C option is like, what if I could be a good mom and run a business? And so when I started to like really truly believe that, when I started, I was like, I, I worried that I was not going to be able to find balance, that I was going to not be a good, as good of a mom because I had this business. But as I started to believe, know what, you know what, there's an option C. I can be a good mom and... I can run a business. And the more I started to believe that, I started to make it work and I started to find the balance. And that balance has changed over time as my kids have gotten older and gone to school and and all of these things. But you're able to find balance in a lot of ways that people sometimes try to like argue that you can't find balance. And then last, that balance is gonna change. It, It just is. Balance is not static. It's not like, It's not like a scale where you find the center balance point and then you can just let go and be like, oh, we're good to go. Because that balance point is constantly shifting and it's constantly changing and that's okay to acknowledge. When people come to me and they say, you know, I don't have time for fitness or I don't have time to eat right or I don't have time to do home cooked meals, I... I think that that is really important to own that choice that you're making. I... I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad to say I don't have time to meal prep. But what I want you to do is I want you to own that choice for you to say, you know what? I have the same 24 hours in the day that everybody else in the world has, but I am choosing to spend it on X, Y, and Z rather than meal prep. And that's okay. You get to choose how you spend your time. You get to choose how you balance it. But when you can take it from 
oh, I just don't have time, which is like this external reality that's like forced upon you to, I am choosing to spend my time doing whatever else it is that I want to do. There's a lot of power that comes in in being able to acknowledge that I'm making choices about my priorities in life and that's okay. I'm finding the balance that works well for me. Number eight, if you tell yourself something's going to be hard, guess what? It is. This is something that plays into so much of our life. This kind of goes back to mindset and how important mindset is. But if you really say that something is going to be hard, it is going to feel hard. And if you tell yourself and you really start to believe something's going to be easy, guess what? It's going to feel a lot easier. And I think we really don't value the mindset as much as we should or or see the, how powerful it is. It is powerful. The things that you tell yourself create your reality. And it is powerful, the things that you are telling yourself. If you tell yourself something's going to be hard, gosh, it's going to be hard. So let's talk telling ourselves that things are going to be hard. I think when we start to rein in that power and, you know, when you start thinking, oh, this, this is going to be, this workout's going to be really tough, start to flip that script and say, you know what? This, this, this is going to be easy. This is going to be the easiest workout I've ever done. I found myself doing this a lot in CrossFit. Um, I've learned about the like how it really is a lot of mind over matter when it comes to CrossFit. It's a lot of endurance and it's a lot of like pushing yourself through hard moments. And I've found that if I go into a workout being like, ah, oh, this is going to suck. This is going to be so hard. I don't want to do this. I don't perform as well as when I go in like, this is going to rock. I'm just, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to like kill this workout. I'm going to trash it. It's going to be fabulous. Um, it, it is a different workout experience. So I want to challenge you. If you start telling yourself something's going to be hard, whether that's for your relationship or mothering your children or making dinner or whatever, if you start telling yourself it's going to be hard, I want you to flip that script. Because if you tell yourself it's going to be hard, it is. So tell yourself it's not going to be hard. It's a way better way to go through life. Number nine, healthy is found in habits and actions not in a specific pant size. Okay. And I wish people could get this through their heads. So many people equate weight loss causing you to be healthier and weight loss in and of itself doesn't cause you to be healthy as much as the behaviors that you adopt to lose the weight cause you to be healthier. So it's not necessarily the fact that you lost 10 pounds, but it's the fact that you stopped eating fast food or you're limiting your soda intake or you start eating more vegetables. Those behaviors are healthy. And yes, sometimes they cause weight loss, but what is like, what's healthy is the actions and the habits that you have, regardless of if they cause the cause weight loss or not. If you're really in the fitness game, because you want to be as healthy as possible, then focusing on what you're doing and what you're eating and how you're exercising and not on the physical changes that it's causing, but on those habits and those actions, that's what's going to make you healthy. And sometimes in the County Macros community, I feel like this gets skipped over a little bit because there is this idea of, yes, you can eat a brownie and still hit your weight loss goals, which is true. Like, that is true. You can have things in your diet that maybe aren't the most healthy things 
physically for you. Maybe they're emotionally healthy to have the brownie, but physically may not be the healthiest option for you. And you can still hit your goals. And I do believe in moderation. And I do think it's important to find that balance. But if you start focusing on the behaviors and the habits and the actions, rather than just the outcome of saying, oh, I'm being successful because I'm losing weight, it changes the script a little bit. And you and you start to want to maximize those healthy behaviors, regardless of if it hinders your weight loss or not. And number 10, the people who make the most progress in life are those who are goal setters. I talked about as humans, we don't want to stay stagnant. We we want to progress and we have to push ourselves out of that comfort zone if we want to see that progress happen. And that's what goals do for us. And I'm not talking just about like setting a new year's resolution once a year. I'm talking about incorporating it into the person that you are, somebody who is a goal setter, someone who sets daily goals and weekly goals and quarterly goals and monthly goals and setting goals becomes a part of who you are. And so that's why I created the freebie for this week about all about goal setting and about taking um, the goals that you have for the week, for the day, for the month, for the year, and being able to put them down on paper. There's been such power in my life when I started writing down my goals. And so each week before I start the week, I have my goals of what I want to accomplish that week. And then I break those down into each day, what I have to accomplish each day. I have goals for the quarter. I have goals for the year. And when I can actually write those down and revisit them and be excited about them and have that visual reminder, it's super, super powerful. So the freebie for this week is going to help you with that goal setting. To get that freebie, go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash six download. You can print out that worksheet and go through and start to set some really good goals for yourself. When you're setting your goals, I think it's really important to set some really big goals. And you may have heard the term BHAG, which stands for big, hairy, audacious goals. And I think everybody needs some BHAG goals. You need some goals that like you're almost scared to say out loud because you're not actually sure that like you really can do it but that it's something that you want and something that you are pretty sure that you can do. If you're like 50 to 70% sure you can can accomplish something, then that that's a really good BHAG goal. If you're 100% sure you can accomplish something, that is not a good BHAG goal. You want it to be about like 50 to 70%, something that stretches you so much that you have to become a different person to be able to attain that goal. I really want to encourage you to go listen to James Wedmore's um, podcast, Mind Your Business. It's episode 179 and it's called Smart Goals Are Stupid. I'll link it up in the show notes. And I love what he says about goals um, because I think a lot of times we don't actually push ourselves when we set goals. We set goals of things that like we're pretty sure that we're capable of doing and that we're going to be able to do. And the purpose of setting big goals is to stretch us, to cause us to become somebody who is different, who is better, who is equipped to be able to hit that goal. And by setting these easy, achievable goals, you're kind of robbing yourself of that experience. So as you go through setting your goals, I really want to push you to challenge yourself to push outside of that comfort zone. Remember, there's no growth in the comfort zone and no comfort in the growth zone. And so with these goals, you have to be willing to push yourself 
outside of what you normally are comfortable doing. And in that process of doing that, you're going to learn so much about yourself, your capabilities, your confidence, and you're going to be able to create those results that you didn't ever think were possible. For example, I've wanted to start a podcast for a really, really long time. That has been kind of a big, hairy, audacious goal for me, starting a podcast. And there was, there was a lot of things that I had to do, things that I had to arrange in my business, people I had to hire, things that I had to like figure out to be able to do it. And it was this big, hairy, scary goal that I had in the future. And I had to, over the last couple of years, and particularly last year, I had to, to become somebody different that was going to be able to complete that goal. Who I was two years ago or even a year ago, I would not have been starting this podcast. But over the last year, I've grown a lot. My business has grown. I've been able to organize things so that I can make this goal a reality. So that's it. That's the 10 things that I've learned over almost three years of doing fitness coaching. I'm going to recap them one more time so you can kind of drill them into your head. Number one, mindset is completely underrated in the fitness industry. Focus on your mindset or nothing's going to happen. Number two, nothing changes. If nothing changes, if you don't like where you're at, you can't just keep doing the same old thing and expect different results. Number three, the best exercise is one that you enjoy. If you don't like it, find another workout. Number four, there is a bazillion ways to create a caloric deficit and lose weight. I want you to find the one that feels the easiest for you. Number five, losing weight in and of itself isn't going to make you happier or more confident or love yourself. However, the process that you go through to set goals, to push yourself, to accomplish something is going to shape your view of yourself and your body. Number six, there is power in doing hard things. If you just do what's fun or what you're good at, you're robbing yourself of of the growth that comes as you stretch yourself. Number six, there is power in doing hard things. If you always do just what feels good or what's fun, you're robbing yourself of things that stretch you as a person and are going to cause the most growth. Number seven, balance looks different on everyone. Find the balance that works for you and then also know it's going to change over time and that's okay. Number eight, if you tell yourself something is going to be hard, it is. Number nine, healthy is found in habits an action, not a specific pant size. And number 10, the people who make the most progress in life are those who are goal setters. So that's it. That's the 10 things that I've learned coaching lots and lots of women through the fitness process. Also go and download the freebie for this episode, bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash six download. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Amber. Now go on and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.